When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Billy Cox and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff back again for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We're part of a vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Megaphone and Spotify, iTunes and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, um, this episode is episode 118. I'm calling this Hair Metal's Twilight Years. Um, it's kind of interesting. This kind of goes with a couple of uh, much earlier episodes. Episode 25, we did Go to Vancouver and Try Harder. And in that one, we talked about uh, big bands are really trying to uh, put their put their uh, shoulder into into the wheel, the grindstone as it, as it were, and make better albums based on uh, hair metal kind of losing its luster and grunge coming in with Nirvana 1991 um kind of go down that whole story how there's this fulcrum shift from los uh los angeles up to seattle and in that episode we looked at these bands who went uh who who did this go to vancouver record maybe with bruce fairburn or bob rock or whatever we talked about aerosmith the cult motley crew acdc and poison then we had episode 23, so two episodes earlier, mind you. Uh, that was Hair Metal Goes Grunge. And that was, uh, again, another one of these little reactions uh, to this whole situation. Um, and this was kind of moving up into the mid-90s where some of these bands kind of uh, abandoned the position, as it were, and uh, and went with something that, that was trying to uh, go with the times. It's like hair metal is definitely not working out. Grunge is kind of a big thing at this time. We're going to down-tune. We're going to get a little more creative. In that one, we, we looked at... It's Skid Row, Warrant, Def Leppard, Dawkin, and Kiss. Um, so this is an episode that kind of uh, fits fits right in there with both of these, but it kind of celebrates a situation where, uh, as the as the title says, Hair Metal's Twilight Years, we have these bands kind of. Um, Sticking with what they're doing, but doing a better job of it, but not necessarily going to Vancouver to do it. Um, I did this. Uh, I did this hair metal timeline book. It was a really cool book called "The Big Book of Hair Metal," and I ended it in 1991. And I often thought 
boy, I really should have gone to 92, 93 to celebrate uh, some of this great music uh, that was coming out then. Some of these bands from that era were making some of their best music at that point. And of course, they're usually on the tail end of their uh, of their major label deal. Didn't sell. Um, but, you know, we definitely got some good music uh, from, from this uh, period. So let's look at a couple of these. Um, I think first I want to go with um, one of these bands that is uh, is a heritage act, and I want them in here to represent, and this is my favorite example of this, but a heritage act from the 70s, more or less, um, trying this, sticking with uh, the, the formula and seeing what happens, and we'll talk about a couple other ones, but take a listen to this, first of all. This is Kiss with Spit. <laughs> With a lot of love, well, thin to see, but it's plain to see. It don't mean spit to me. All right, that was Kiss with Spit. That's from uh, Revenge, 1992, produced by Bob Ezrin. Um, who knows what Bob does uh, for these situations, but in this case, I think he's really doing what he does for Deep Purple in the modern era, and that's he's a song guy. He's tearing apart the songs. He's looking at them. He's seeing what works. Um, Kiss, I think, is coming off of two of their worst albums in Crazy Nights and Hot in the Shade. Uh, this is three years later, um, and it's 1992, so all of us, you know, definitely already the bloom is off. But I think what they do with this record, I wanted to pick them because I think they're the best examples of this. I think this is the best Kiss album uh, since. I mean, they haven't done anything better since. And uh, and going back, I mean, this... And I always had a soft spot for Asylum, but, you know, I, I like those those early albums, uh, uh, Creatures in the Night, um, Animal Eyes, so those early 80s records. But I think, I think this record, Revenge, is probably the best record since the golden era of, you know, pick whatever you like from the 70s kind of thing. I think they just did a really good job of putting this thing together. It sounds great. It's powerful. It's high fidelity. The songs just, just kind of get in there and hit you. There's humor. Um, it's just a really well put together record. Um, yeah, we could take it off. Tough Love, God Gave Rock and Roll to You Too. Domino was a bit of a hit off this. Heart of Chrome, Thou Shalt Not. Um, just a really good collection of songs. 12 tracks on it in total. Um, definitely, definitely a good album. And I wanted to pick it, like I say, to, to uh, represent the Heritage Acts and just a quick sermon on on what else everybody else was doing. Aerosmith is going past Pump into Get a Grip. It's a massive, massive album, but they don't change because of the grunge thing. You could say Aerosmith. Here they are operating in this hair metals, Twilight Years concept. Um, Scorpions, Crazy World. They haven't really changed what they're doing. Sounds like Savage Amusement. Um, Alice Cooper's an interesting case. You had Hey Stupid, uh, but now you've got this The Last Temptation. Um, it's it's a bit of a concept album, but I think I think you definitely get the spirit of we're going to work really hard and we're going to try to make something a little more intelligent. Um, Ozzy, arguably... You take No More Tears and Osmosis, and he's kind of doing the same thing he did in the 80s, not with a big difference. But with Ozzy, you do definitely get a little bit of that down-tuning and slowing down and and, and a, a slight bit of a grungier feel. But no one really accuses those albums of being, you know, particularly grunge albums. They're just a little more bottomy, I guess, is what you would say. Um, all right, let's go to our second uh 
example, and we'll discuss. This is Slaughter with Searchin'. Alright, I always had a soft spot for Slaughter, so this is off of their Fear No Evil album, May 2nd of 1995, and what I find you know, particularly amusing about this is that it really sounds like the Slaughter of old, but remember, even, even the Wildlife was 92, so I could have even picked Wildlife. I, I did uh, give myself a rule here, nothing from 1991, so I wanted to make sure it was, was truly post uh, you know, grunge hitting in a big way. Um, but even the wildlife is 92 and it, it essentially sounds exactly like the debut stick it to you. Stick it to you went double platinum wildlife went gold. Um, and then, yeah, at this point, they're not even on their major label deal anymore. They're down on to CMC. Um, it looks like a real indie. I mean, the, the album cover is not that great. The back cover is just this black and white photo and there's the guys are there. Um, but, what I like about this album is it it is essentially a good old same old slaughter uh, a little bit of the screechiness and the hyperness in in Mark's voice and the music it is gone um, but it is produced by Dana Strum and Mark Slaughter um, I picked a song here that's a little more a little more downscale and bluesy but there's some usual heavy stuff on here there's even some cowbell there's uh, there's definitely some hair metal so what I loved about Slaughter is that they are arriving late to the game and even in 92 they're already past due date but they do manage to squeak through a gold after the double platinum and then Fear No Evil they kind of do the same thing all over again but it does change a little bit for Revolution the next one they they do uh, do that little bit of a thing where I could have included them in in the in the heavy metal goes grunge episode um so yeah so there you go that's uh that's slaughter uh let's take a short break we'll be right back all right back again here history and five songs with martin popoff episode 118 hair metals twilight years um thought i'd uh, stick the word twilight in there it's kind of a cool dramatic uh a word to put in here for a title but uh let's take a listen to our third example and we shall discuss this is the bullet boys with laughing with the dead All right, Bullet Boys. Loved Bullet Boys. They were one of the bands. I'm pretty sure I I, uh, put them in the episode we did called The Next Van Halen because they're produced by Ted Templeman. Um, They definitely got that Van Halen look and sound. the vocals, uh, everything about them is is kind of Van Halen-ish. Um, but uh, the interesting thing is, um, so I, I did rule out, like I said, I, I had a rule for myself, no 1991 album. So we, we went past their debut and then past Freak Show, which is their 91 album. But Zaza, I always love this album. Um, so it's just Z-A-Z-A, pretty interesting. Um, 
they're still on Warner for this. So so they're up into 1993 at this point. So it's amazing that they're still on Warner, um, but I guess that's the deal. They still had another album. But they put they put together a great record. Uh, this is a really cool record where, again, they kind of stick to their guns, but as all these bands do when they when they see, you know, the creativity behind grunge and how it's blowing up and there's kind of a heaviness and a grindiness to it, they do try some different things. Um, and there's the hilarious Journey-esque song on here. I can't remember which one it is, but there's a hilarious, hilarious, um, you know, song that sounds like Journey on here. When Pigs Flies, a great, uh, cool anthem to kick off. Um, well, maybe not anthem, but it's it's got some uh, some really interesting core changes and stuff in it. Laughing with the Dead is just one of these kind of cool. It's got some neat textures to it. So yeah, Bullet Boys. I, I thought Bullet Boys did a really good job of uh, of sticking to the hair metal mandate. While uh, they were always a cut above in quality anyways, but they maintained that quality through Freak Show and through Zaza. Um, so that was 1993, still produced by Ted Templeman. All right, let's take a listen to our fourth example here. Uh, this is Extreme with Cupid's Dead. <laughs> All right, so Extreme is another one of these where obviously, obviously they did not uh, do the grunge route, although Waiting for the Punchline, I always felt, had a little bit of that atmospheric lack of hook, lack of melody, a little more bass, a little more, you know, Nuno's a little crazier on it. Um, crazier not in a not in a shred way, crazier just in a, in a like a non-communicative way, I, I, I imagine, uh, is a good way of saying it. But Cupid's Dead is off of their Three Sides to Every Story album, which is even more meticulous and perfectly pristinely recorded than is pornography. Um, so um, Three Sides to Every Story came out September 22nd, 1992. Pornography is 1990, so already we're getting up into the late uh, years of hair metal. But of course, um, that's their second album. They, they had a huge hit with it. Uh, More Than Words is the big hit off of that album. But uh, I believe, what did this go? I think it might have gone double platinum. Uh, and Three Sides, I believe, went gold, um, if I remember correctly. I didn't make notes on it here. Sorry about that. Um, but a funny thing about this record is it split up with uh, six. The first six songs are called Yours. The uh, next five are called Mine and then And the Truth, uh, which is sort of a trilogy uh, under the umbrella name Everything Under the Sun. Most people complain about those last ones. They're six minutes, seven minutes, and eight minutes long. It's kind of uh, generally mellow. Um, so a lot of people conveniently look at that and say, well, you could have just left off those songs uh, at the end and it would have been more of a slap bang album. But um, but really kind of rhythmic. Nuno is really, really funky on this. But the, the thing is, it is so anti-grunge in the production. I thought it would be an amusing, amusing choice. Um, all right. I left the best for last. I can't believe I have not featured this band on History and Five Songs. Love them to death. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Love Hate with Yucca Man. Come on, if you find 
All right, so, you know, most of you have heard me blather on about stuff in the past. Uh, you know that I think uh, their 1992 album on Sony, Wasted in America, it's their second album. I think it's one of the greatest albums of all time. Um, hands down, it's the greatest album from the entire hair metal era that starts in 1983. Uh, it's an absolute masterpiece start to finish. It's complicated, it's heavy, it's edgy, it's gorgeously recorded. The riffs are crazy, the bass playing is crazy. Um, every song just over and over, they, they try different things, but they're all masterpieces. Um, as is uh, Yucca Man, which you could probably tell even from that short segment. Go play this record. Um, if anything, like a DJ loving his job, I'm loving the job of, of hopefully turning a few people on to this second uh, love-hate record. But the thing is, so love-hate kind of starts late anyways, um, but people love to death their second album. Produced by Tom Werman. That's interesting. It doesn't sound like a Tom Werman production uh, but they start in 1990 with blackout in the red room but uh as i say the second album's a stone cold 10 out of 10 the first one's pretty much a 9 out of 10 but the neat thing about this band is i could even pitch something off of 1993's uh let's rumble which i think is a really cool album as well um but you know they've they've lost their deal with sony and they're down on to rca for that one and then they go into indie land you know with uh like i'm not happy and let's eat and that which are the quality kind of starts to go down a little bit at that point um but certainly the first three records are absolute masterpieces let's rumble is a dangerous cool album uh with spinning wheel and the boozer wrong side of the grape man what a great song about drinking um if you believe in miracles like good mellow stuff from this band as well but yeah just just uh try out wasted in america start to finish an amazing amazing uh band and album and again to reiterate um they're not doing the grungy thing. Um, they they look like basically they look like a dirty hair metal band. So they look like a Skid Row or a Guns 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 and Roses. You know the lead singer's name is Jizzy Pearl, right? Um, but um, the cool thing about them is um, they are the perfect example of of a band. Um, keeping a lot of the hair metal tropes but just showing how you how it could be way better music than it normally was um, because it literally did not get any better than this record i mean i put this up there with the badlands record um from 89 their first one and speaking of badlands in our honorable mentions um i almost went with warrant um Warrant's an interesting case because you go from uh, Dirty Rotten, whatever it's called, um, Dirty Rotten, Filthy, Stinking Rich, and then you get up into Cherry Pie, and Warrant is the quintessential hair metal band. Um, but then they make a slightly heavier, smarter album that a lot of people like called Dog Eat Dog, and that is from 1992, I believe. Where is the date on this thing? Uh, yeah, 92. Um, and then and then they actually do... I did... I did uh, feature them i think in the um hair metal goes grunge yeah uh we we played the song followed but they had a couple albums uh, ultraphobic and belly to belly where they did try um try the new music out right and you know and and generally as i said in that in that episode i i think they did uh most of the bands who did try to uh to to uh, adopt some of the tropes of grunge did a pretty good job with it i thought um but you know i went through that album and i thought it's not a lot better. Dog Eat Dog might even be a little overrated. It's not a lot better than uh, than the first two Warrant albums, but they are considered one of the bands that does this um, or has this sort of situation. Let me just grab these. So the um, so the other honorable mention, I thought, 
was pretty cool is is Mr. Big. So they're a, they're a late arriving band with uh, with the self titled and and lean uh, lean into it. But then they did have a bump bump ahead, uh, you know, hey man. But you're getting up into these later years. But essentially, they fit this whole thing because they didn't really particularly try to change a lot either. And then later on, they made some of their greatest albums uh, of all time. And, you know, they always rank them with Europe uh, in that respect. And Badlands, um, I left out of here because they would have broken one of my rules. Um, so they had an 89 album, which is a masterpiece. And then they had Voodoo Highway, which is a masterpiece. Um, but it's 1991 on Atlantic. And that's all they did. They just had the two albums. But 91, I figured, was a little too too close to, you know, there's still a lot of hope out for, for hair metal at that point. Um, so I I thought uh, I thought no let's let's get into post uh, you know Alice in Chains being big Soundgarden being around for two or three or four albums maybe not four um, but uh, but yeah all all four of the big four grunge bands are big and then you have other bands like Smashing Pumpkins um, you know from all over the place Stone Temple Pilots um, so. I wanted to get well into the 90s, but just to show that that uh, probably the best hair metal albums, many of the best hair metal albums actually came out in 1991, 1992, and 1993. All right. And it's interesting. Um, you know, no one ever says this about grunge. No one ever says, oh, actually, you know, the, 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 where they perfected grunge was in 1997, 1998, 1999. No, the, the classics are all from the early or, you know, a, a, a few years, not too many years into grunge. And certainly no one really says this about the new wave of British heavy metal either. No one's, no one's like raving about uh, the very best albums being a perfection of the earlier version of the form, you know, up into 1983 or 1984. So I thought that was pretty interesting about this hair metal thing. I really do think... Um, um, they perfected the form um, late, and and those records are even better than the very exciting early classics from 1983, 84, 85. I, I truly would believe that I could probably pick 10 records from the early 90s that I like more than those records from 83, 84, 85, which is, which is sort of saying something, right? Um, all right. I just wanted to comment a little bit on uh, the last episode, which was the birth of post-punk. Um, a few comments from uh, from faithful listeners. Colston Veer says, excited for this one. Interested in your take on the non-hard rock and heavy metal scenes. It's it's kind of neat. I always wonder if people like these other episodes. The bleed from the punk and post-punk scenes into the metal story is an interesting one. The DIY shtick and less than perfect production aesthetics are two examples. Interesting. I never really thought of much and I answered him back in this. I, I never thought there was much um, crossover from certainly those examples of the bands I played in that last episode. Um, uh, more, more so, uh, you do hear a little bit in, in say, Killing Joke or a, or a version of post-punk, which is when punk becomes oi and hardcore. That's not exactly post-punk, but it is kind of literally post-punk, if you know what I mean. So so that does have more bleed over into heavy metal. Um, let's see. Uh, interesting that Martin sees post-punk as an arcane and artsy corner. This is still Colston. Uh, it felt very much mainstream here in the UK in the 80s, all over TV and radio. Metal couldn't buy any airplay. Fair enough. It, absolutely true when you think of um you know th these were actually most of these bands were pretty big bands over there as was as was punk and then post-punk and then synthesizer stuff later on um new romantics and all that stuff um 
but no, it's it definitely what we played was very arcane for any North American audiences. Reed Little says, someday I am seriously going to dig into this music. I had friends who lived for it in junior high and high school, but my college years, they always universally moved over to industrial music. Sonically, it doesn't seem to have much to do with industrial, but I guess there's a similar audience. Yeah, kind of true. Um, Post-punk definitely is has kind of a noisy industrial feel. And then as you go on in time, you do add uh, all that new technology to it, which which will, you know, bends it industrial. I guess one thing about post-punk music is that it instantly sounds of the time to me. It's not timeless music. It sounds like late 70s, early 80s. I think that's a barrier for a lot of people. Very good point, Reed. Not for me. I remember living those years. Also, I was just getting into metal at the time, so I didn't want anything to do with post-punk unless it was on MTV, to which I was addicted. Uh, William Martin says, glad to hear a small mention of Adam and the Ants. Love that early stuff. And that's immediately what came to mind when you brought up tribal drum beats. True but not really a post-punk band too happy um matthew keeswetter says neat thing with magazines shot by both sides is that the chorus uh same chord progression occurs in lipstick by the buzzcocks i'm guessing that devoto and shelly came up with it together pretty interesting i haven't gone and checked that out i love checking those things out uh Stephen a poshman writes full disclosure haven't listened yet but the five bands you picked appear to be perfect to describe post-punk exclamation mark that is the sound i think of though i think wire belongs in there but maybe you mentioned them i yeah i think i mentioned them and they definitely belong they were they would have been my number seventh choice after the one steve polari just mentions here cool episode episode pil's first album three albums and the live album from paris are great post-punk albums the drum sound on flowers of romance influenced phil collins i didn't know that um but uh yeah i i they would have been my sixth choice in that joe Becht asks do the police fit in here i wanted to put that here to mention that i still i think do want to do a new wave episode so joe i figured they'll fit in the new wave episode um and yeah new wave's kind of going to be a funny one i mean i could go new wave and then I have a decision: do do I do I keep it UK? Do I do I mix it UK and US? Do I split them up? And then even more interesting to me, because I care more about post punk than I do new wave, is um, can can I maybe uh, you know weave an episode together on post punk in America? So I might just do that. All right. If you like this show and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi. Rhymeswithnofee.com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint. This week, I would like to thank Joe Becht, Bel Air Expediting. He's our Chicago connection. He's also a patreon subscriber to our contrarians thing so he's been a regular on our shows there he always brings good chicago connected stories uh who do you talk about joe zoetrope trouble um yeah cool trouble stories uh andy at black sugar transmission again uh loved his expo- exposition on queen hot space on our contrarians um patreon episode where we totally deconstructed that album with the whole team it was great there must have been 10 or a dozen of us there um Bruce Campbell, Tim Derling. Uh, Tim's got this uh, this book he's got a Kickstarter campaign for, Unspooled, an adventure in eight tracks. Um, so check out his Kickstarter on that. He's also a Contrarians Patreon guy, and I've, I've uh, had him as a guest on Contrarians. We just did a Motley Crue, and we've got a, um, what are we doing tomorrow? We're doing Rat, where he talks about uh, the uh, Dancing Undercover album. So we're going to be doing that. So uh, yeah, 
Tim, good smart guy in music. Todd Evans, uh, David Fisher, Jeremy French, Darren Kasabowski, Kevin Latham, very generous. Take a bow and a break, Kevin. Uh, Melissa Nee, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, and David Ria. Also, yes, um, very, very generous, David. You're you're good for a while. Um, and there you go. Um, you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Again, Patience, please, on the Nazareth visual biography and the Yes visual biography. In COVID times, these things have gotten very expensive and a hassle and a drama to import. Right now, my container that has these books in them is being held up for inspection. And guess what? Uh, Canada Customs is going to charge you for inspecting and delaying uh, your, your shipment. So this has been delayed already by about three weeks. God knows when I'm going to get these books. Um, but yeah, it's gotten to be a real pain um, and and not that profitable doing these uh, visual biographies because it's just so damn hard to get them over here. Uh, there you go. But martinpopoff.com for all that stuff. I'm out of the Van Halen reprint, but I still have the Merciful Fate reprint. In about six weeks, I will have uh, the Merciful Fate, um, uh, the um, uh, Max Webster book back in print and uh, and more copies of uh, Flame and Telepaths, Imaginos Expanded and Specified, which I ran out of long time ago, but I'm going to be getting more of that. And uh, in both of those other ones, these these last ones coming in six weeks, we fixed a bunch of typos and stuff. So it's kind of a new file as well um, that I had to do for those. Um, but yeah, those, those two are coming back in print. That's it for now. Um, absolutely. Uh, without doubt, I think the one thought I want to leave you with uh, with this episode is go play Love Hate Wasted in America. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.